0: Take your Bible, Matthew chapter number 5. We were there this morning. We'll be back there again this evening. And I, I just want us to stay both Sunday morning and Sunday evening when we announce our new theme for the year. We'll switch in the Sunday morning messages. But, boy, the Lord has just touched my heart with some things I've learned out of this text. Uh, and I want to I share them with you in the weeks to come, Lord willing. Uh, your Bible open to Matthew chapter number 5. In just a moment we'll have special music. I want you to understand some of our uh some of our special music people, Brother Stephen is, I know I am, and Brother Josh was for a while, uh battling this throat stuff for quite a while where you just can't get is anybody that's you? You just can't. I read something really encouraging this week. Miss Kane, I thought about you, and we talked about it in the in the morning at the men prayed together, I heard this and it came out from a prestigious university that if you had difficulties with a cough or a chronic cough, chocolate helped. And I thought, God bless that study. (laughs) So (laughs) chocolate. So we're going to start handing, if you want to help pastor and, and some of the special music people just bring a Hershey bar. Uh, We'll just eat it right before we sing. Uh, But Alicia, you know, that's, Raw honey, we know that, and I just, man, we're just bad. I know, brother Stephen is, and he's got the special uh, part of the special in just a moment. Tanya, huh? Yeah, let's don't do that. Uh, <coughs> uh, but you think about that. I, I, we could do the chocolate. All right, your Bible open to Matthew five. Somebody, real quickly, we're early in the evening. Share a blessing. You just want to thank God for something. God's been good to you. Share a blessing. All right, Cassandra. Amen. Amen. We're thankful for that, too. I don't know if you realize this sometimes. I wish you could kind of see what our week looks like. I wish you could hear the prayers of the staff. I wish you could see some of the things in our heart where we're asking God to do. And there are so many answers to prayer that happened this morning that culminated this morning with Cassandra getting baptized Uh, for weeks and a couple of months. I mean, from Brother and Mrs. Uh, from Brother Josh and Rachel to Brother Stephen and myself, have just really kind of concentrated on this, and Cassandra was so willing uh, that we didn't. I love when God does that. I remember early days in ministry in, New Ma- in, in Louisiana. We led. There was a big SAC Air Base there, Barksdale Air Force Base, was right by the church. And out on Winning one Thursday night, I led a Korean Air Force man to the Lord. And this man came. No, I'm sorry. We didn't lead him to the Lord. We invited him to the church on Thursday. He got saved on Sunday morning. And the following Sunday morning, he walked the aisle for baptism. And uh, now, th- you have to, and this is a good day. We, oughta, we ought to prepare like this, but the baptistry was always ready. If you came down to get, if you got saved on Sunday morning, we could baptize you the same Sunday. So here came, and the man's name was Brother Bryant. Got saved on one Sunday, came the next Sunday for baptism, and we baptized him. And I remember Monday morning, we have a staff meeting with the preacher and the other associate pastor, and I said, man, who talked to who talked to Brother Brian about baptism? And the other associate said, I didn't. And I said, well, I didn't. And the pastor said, I didn't. Guess who talked to him? The Lord. And Cassandra was very willing and eager to be baptized, and that's just the work of the Lord, and we don't want... Uh, we, we enjoyed that and loved that and, and the Cassandra. And last week, we blamed this on Brother Bliss. We were geared up for baptism last week, and we filled it. We thought I could hear on Sunday morning when I came, I heard the pump work and the heater's going, and it was 39 degrees. I don't know why Cassandra didn't want to be baptized at 39 degrees. Now, I did have a lady this week, and she's one of the sweetest ladies in our church, won't tell you her name but her initials are Agnes Jens and she said this she said pastor if that was me 39 degrees i'd have been baptized because i want to see you get in that baptismal water i said no problem here i got waiters i got waiters on so i can get in that baptismal pool but uh, last week i don't want to thank brother Tyrell uh just really jumped on that last week and this week we had a part that went out on it and he and brother rogers kind of got on this we're able to baptize this morning
1: down here my burden's heavy and the road seems rough and long Sometimes my feet get weary and so slow, but a brighter day is coming, soon I'll step on heaven's shore, and I won't have to worry anymore. Troubles will be over And I'll rest forevermore And my eyes will be on Jesus And my heart will be aglow And I won't have to worry anymore Someday when life is over And I've said my last goodbye. I'll see my savior standing at the door. Then I'll hear him say you're welcome. All your cares are left behind. And I won't have to worry anymore. No. troubles will be over, and I'll rest forevermore, and my eyes will be on Jesus, and my heart will be aglow, and I won't All my troubles will be over, and I'll rest forevermore. And my eyes will be on Jesus, and my heart will be aglow, and I won't have to worry anymore. my heart will be a glow, and I won't have to worry anymore. No, I won't have to worry anymore. Get closer to the
0: Lord and walk with Him in Matthew chapter number 5. We looked at this morning, the first of those... Look at verse number one, if you would. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. That's what we've done today, isn't it? Yeah. This is where we need to be on Sunday, correct? We are yeah. set here. God has called us here. The Bible says in Hebrews ten twenty five, and forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So even though Christ is not making a physical appearance, we're looking into His Word. Uh, Jesus and the Bible are inseparable. He is the living Word. We have the written Word here, so we are sitting at His feet tonight, verse 2. And He opened His mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. This is what we looked at this morning, just a few things that we saw this morning, was that this Word helped us to understand totally destitute, totally helpless, that God wants us to adopt that spirit as we come to Him, both for salvation and in our Christian faith. And we looked at that. We gave the analogy of being penes, which is the Greek terminology. We likened the, the lady who put the two mites into, uh, into the treasury and how the Lord praised her, but two mites would think about two pennies. We wouldn't get really excited in our offering if somebody dropped two pennies in, but the Lord did, because she gave out of her poverty, whereas others gave out of their abundance. But we look at ourselves as Lazarus. I think if each and every one of us will have a change in our Christian life, if this week and God reminds us that no matter what He calls us to do, we are totally incapable and powerless to do it. Unless we walk in his, in his power to do that. Now look at verse number two. Here's the second of the attributes. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Father, help us in the study tonight. May I be bound by thy word. May we be led by your Spirit. Teach us some things. It'll draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> this, this beatitude just does not seem to make sense. Remember what we said blessed meant? It does in the Greek word. One in the Greek language, some of this hat lends itself to happiness, but primarily in Matthew chapter five, it's talking about to meet and have the approval of God. Parents, think about this uh, as you have children, or one day if you have not, you don't have children yet. One day, as God blesses your union together, husband and wife, and you have a little boy, a little girl, and then the family grows. One of the things that God does for every parent that's magnificent is He automatically puts a love in the heart of that little boy and girl for mom and daddy and a desire to please mom and daddy. And John 3 talks to us about being born into the family of God. When we are saved, if we are saved, there's a desire in our heart to please our Heavenly Father. Is that true? Let me say this to you. If you and I are absent that desire then I believe we are what Hebrews talks about, illegitimate. We may have prayed a prayer, we may have done some things, but if there's no desire in our heart to please Him, to serve Him, then in fact we are not a child of God. But in every one of us, there is a a desire to please our Heavenly Father. When we do that, we have the approval of God. That is what blessed is called here, blessed are they. Who in their right mind wants to mourn to be happy? True? Mourning means tears. Mourning means grief. Mourning means loss. And who in their right mind, when I think of mourning, I think of funeral homes and cemeteries and empty places at a table, an empty chair, an empty spot in the home. Who wants that? And so here, if the Lord is saying to us to be happy or blessed, to have my approval, then you must adopt this idea of mourning. We'll look at that, what he is talking about. Let's put it this way. If poor in spirit is the last thing the people in the world want to be, mourning is the last thing we want to do. We said this in our American culture today. We don't want to be poor in spirit. And if that's the last thing we want to be, then to mourn is the last thing that we want to do. We want to look at here. Look in your Bible. Leave a marker there in Matthew's Gospel. Go to Luke chapter number six. L- Luke chapter number six. <clears throat> and another passage in the Gospels, Christ talks about this in Luke chapter number six. And uh, look to verse number twenty-five. Woe unto you that are that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now. For ye shall mourn and weep. So Christ is telling telling these folks as he's speaking to them that there will be one day. He's actually saying that the people who mourn are blessed people because they meet the approval of God. I'm going to say it again. We are blessed as we mourn because we meet the approval of God. Is it a desire in your heart to meet the approval of God? Don't you want to do this? Billy Sunday used to call affectionately his wife, Ma. And Billy Sunday walked so close to the Lord that he would, be, he would be talking to his wife, and he'd say, Ma, and then just like that, he'd switch, and he'd be talking to God. Many times, Mrs. Sunday said, Billy, were you talking to me, or were you talking to God? Wouldn't you like to follow God so close that you walked with Him so close that any moment you could talk to Him? But you think about this. Billy Sunday said this. He said, I want to walk so close to God that in my prayer, or if I look to heaven, and I say to Him, God, I love you, I will feel the assurance of the Holy Spirit in His answer back to me. I know you do, Billy. Now, let me ask you this tonight. If you... Look to heaven, and right now where you are in your spiritual walk with God, if you said to Him, Father, I love you, would you have the affirming sense of the Holy Spirit that would say, I know you do, because that's the approval of God. That's what we want. Before we get into this perplexing verse, we want to do the same thing we did this morning. Let's look at what it does not mean. God is not telling us, I want you to be grim. I don't want to pastor a church full of grim people. He's not saying, I want you to be cheerless. Do you think Christian people ought to be happy? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I think we should. He's not saying, be grim, be cheerless. He's saying this. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. He said, preachers I have known appear to have their neckties twisted around their souls." Is that a Christian? You know, I'm walking with God and my neckties twisted around my soul. I can't laugh. I can't rejoice. I can't move. I can't share my faith because my neckties twisted around my soul. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, I want you to be grim. I want you to be morbid, cheerless. He's not saying that. Robert Louis Stevenson said it this way. He said, I've been to church today and I'm not depressed. You know what I want, Brother Wally? I want to think, and let me say this to you, if Brother Stephen were preaching, or Brother Bliss, or Brother Patrick, or Brother Josh, or one of our men, they're thinking, or we have a guest preacher, and they're preaching, and I'm seated like you are, I am asking God, God, I've got an empty cup. I want you to fill it up. And you know what I want to do? Sometimes when we come, we say amen. Sometimes we say, oh, me. Because the, the preaching of the Word of God convicts us, doesn't it? But I want to leave blessed. I want to leave with a n- little nugget of truth that I can live that will help me walk closer to the Lord. So you think about this. He's not saying be forlorn. He's not saying be pessimistic. And can I say this to you? It is impossible to walk with God and be negative. If you are negative and you say you have a walk with God, you don't have the walk with God you should. Because to walk with God, you cannot be negative. So that's not what he's saying. Be grim. Be pessimistic. Be forlorn. I mean, if you wear a necktie, let it, let it strangle your soul. That's not what he's saying. So let's look at these. These are not the kind of mourning that our Lord was referring to. So this morning we looked at a couple of Greek words. We looked at penes, which means I have some means. I can take care. I have nothing left over. That's not the type of poor in spirit we looked at. We looked at the other Greek word was tokas, which simply means that I am without means. I cannot do it. And so when we come to God, we come to God with that spirit. Now, tonight I won't bore you with the, there's because there's nine different Greek words that have to do with mourning. I'm not going to bore you with all nine. We're just going to look at the one here that the Lord uses here. And it's pentheo, P-E-N-T-H-E-O, pentheo. So what is he saying here? It's the most heartfelt, grief-stricken individual could experience. We'll look at times if you are a lady in our church and either through through a miscarriage or maybe a a little precious little boy or girl was born to you and your husband and you lost a baby, you understand what Pantheo is. You understand the grieving. I remember and, and do pray. Pray specifically. I think we told you about this. That brother and Mrs. Agee are looking at a place to go. Tavia's been diagnosed with systemic lupus. They have to get out of the, the Tucson area, and the doctors gave them a, a, a line where they should go. would be best for Tavia's health, and Tavia's health has really deteriorated. Pray with them this week. They have their brother Shane's going to candidate at a church in Kalispell, Montana uh, anybody want to go help them? I was thinking, Brother Shane, I think I'll go up there and help you. All right, Calspell, Montana, as you pray for them. But I think about this. This week, the Lord reminded me of a time when I was called to Parkview Medical Center Sunday morning after church. And there was Brother and Mrs. Agee. We watched Tavia go through uh, the pregnancy, and, and she was well along, ready to deliver. And I remember going to the hospital. And Tavia delivered a stillborn baby. And I remember the grief on Shane's face and Tavia's face and the weeping and, and the days to try to tell them, Pastor, what do we do from here and, and help us to make some sense of this? Ladies, if you understand and that, "pantheo" uh, means to be absolutely grief-stricken, a deeper inner agony that could could not be held in. It's the kind of agony that David said when he... When Absalom, his son, died. Remember the story in the Old Testament? Absalom, Absalom! And the grief that was on David's heart, and his son was rebelling from him, and he died in battle. And and, and, and the, the grief that David had, that's penteo. The first thing I need to point out is this, that this is a hard verse for many people to understand because mourning is not considered a virtue in our culture. It's not considered a virtue. And I think about this, but the Lord said, and go back there, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Everything in our society opposes the spirit of this second beatitude. You think about this go to, and I don't do this much of any because most of the books I don't read, but I did some studying for this lesson. 2017, I don't know anybody, Barnes and Noble people here? You're Barnes and Noble people? In 2017, Barnes and Noble put out a, a list. Uh, by category of all the books that they had in their stores. The number one book or books that they had had to do with happiness and prosperity and success. That's our culture. We want to be made to know how to be happy. We want to be successful. We don't want to mourn. And so it, it goes against our culture today. Oprah, in her magazine, I don't know if she still has it, but she had this, she had an issue in her magazine called How to Calm Down and Cheer Up. And one of those chapters was happiness was the emphasis of the entire issue. She had in there the bad mood cure. We want to be happy people. And let me say this to you. I hope you are a happy person. But here the Lord says there are times in our life and the attitude he wants us to adopt is that of Mourning. We have an entire type of humor in America today. One very popular today is called raunch humor. Let's get vulgar with the humor. They're up in Denver at the, at the different plays and clubs, and it's called raunch humor. I'm going to make you happy. I want you, to, I want you to leave with a smile on your face, but we're going to use raunch humor to do it. In many of the world's cultures, parents raise their children to be successful and work hard. What do we do in America? Many of you do or have raised your children to do that. But let me tell you what we do in America, and young couples be leery of this. We train our kids to avoid anything that would cause them displeasure. We train our kids in a way, anything, avoid difficulty, hardship, because we want you to be happy. Parents, be careful with this. We tell our kids, do whatever makes you happy. Is that good advice? That is not good advice. But we want our kids to be happy, and we want them to avoid anything that would cause you not to be happy. Other cultures, you think about the Asian culture. Teach those kids, very young age, to play an instrument, to be disciplined and skilled, and to work, and to work hard. But in America, we teach our young people to avoid difficulties because we want them to be happy. Even the Declaration of Independence says this, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are 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 created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are what? Life and liberty and the what? Pursuit. Pursuit of happiness. That's the American culture. Go for it. We want you to be happy. Jump in. And we as parents tell our young people, I want you to avoid anything difficult. Anything that makes you less than happy, we want you to do that. We don't want to deal with things that make us unhappy. Life is hard enough. Our society says this, forget your troubles, turn your back on them, do everything you can not to face them. Sorrow is bad, happiness is good, things are are bad enough. And without going, without you looking for trouble, don't mourn, don't worry, be happy. Amen. True? Yeah. That's our culture. And yet here we're directed by our Lord to be poor in spirit and to mourn because we will be. I want to show you this. Brother Rogers, put this up here. Let me show you this has evaded our culture. You have my church up here at all? Think about this. Hey, oh, watch this. So much we want to be happy. In your mind, I'm not going to mention the name. We have a pastor. He's got one of the largest churches in America, in Texas. And he'll never see him unless he's like this. Mm -hmm. Never. On his books, when he preaches, his goal is to make you happy when you come. His books have smile in the end. Happy. We want you to be happy. And the Lord says this, he said, if you're going to walk with me, if you're going to soar with me, if you're going to be closer to me, there's going to be times when I want you to understand it's necessary to mourn. If we can look at it in just a moment, Brother Joshua put this there. I was looking at this, I studied for this lesson, and I actually found this. And if he gets this up here, in Lexington, Lexington Kentucky, there's actually a church called the Happy Church. True. Happy church. You want to be a part of it? You're going to put them I want to go to the happy church. And guess what? The happy church, guess what street it's on? Happy Lane. Boy, wouldn't you like to be a part of that church? I want to be a happy person going to the happy church that just happens to be on Happy Lane. One of the largest churches in America, again, in Texas. The man will tell you, my goal as a pastor is to make you happy. Can I say this to you tonight? What God is trying to do with us is make us holy. I'm not saying that you can't be both happy and holy, but I'm saying this, it is the work of the Holy Spirit of God to separate us from the things that are unChrist-like in our life and to make us holy. A second thing I want to point out is that when we mourn, Or indicating what is truly important to us. Am I right? Why did Shane and Tavia mourn? Why were they weeping? Because even they had never held that little baby. Mother, mama had carried that little baby in her womb for some nine months. And mama and that baby, ladies, I don't understand how God does this, but he does this. And, And Tavia was close to that little baby. And brother Shane was close to that little baby, even though they never held the little baby. When we mourn, we, tell, we show what is important to us. I can't get this young lady off of my heart. Anybody know who Jamie Clawson is? What happened to Jamie Clawson in Wisconsin? A young man went in and killed Jamie's mother and father and took a 13-year-old girl captive and for 88 days, can you imagine? I just can't get this off of my mind. What happened to that 13-year-old girl? What happened to her? And we just look at it like it's news and say, okay, she's home now. They're really good, and we're glad she's home. But what God wants with his people and his church is this, To feel the grief of that girl. She'll never go home to mama again. She'll never go home to daddy again. And what God wants from his chosen people is this. Listen, when you and I mourn, we tell what is important to us. I learned something in this lesson that I saw something in the news. Maybe you saw it. I don't know who put this out. Do you know in America, child brides are legal? I did not. Forty-eight out of the fifty states, and the two states where it's not legal are liberal states, Connecticut and Delaware. You say, Pastor, you don't say that we can have, Brother Josh. Don't worry about that. We can have uh, somebody, and think about this: the Muslim men will marry as young as twelve. I read the story of a, a Muslim man and, and this girl that, that was married to a young, and the parents gave that little girl to her husband when she was eight. And we sit in church, come to my happy church. It built on Happy Lane, and it's a happy place. And my job is to make you happy. And God said to the church of Jesus Christ, There's plenty of things in Pueblo, Colorado, that should cause us to mourn. And the fact that we don't mourn, or the fact that we mourn because a bald eagle means more to us than a little baby. The fact that we mourn because a beached whale means more to us than a little baby. The fact that we mourn more than an animal died, than when a human life is taken, tells us where our priorities are. Here's the statistics. You can look them up for yourself. US approved this last year over 5,500 spouses to bring children, brides under the age of 18, to the United States. This lady's name I was talking about from Pakistan's name is Nali Amin. She was given to her husband at the age of eight. At the age of 12, the man consummated the marriage. There were 3,595,477 issuances of marriage license in the United States last year. Two. Two, I know this doesn't seem like a lot. In the United States, two were issued to 13 year olds, 38 were issued to 14 year olds, 269 to 15 year olds. Well, 1,768 were issued to 16 year olds, and 6,609 were issued to 17 year olds. You see what our country's doing? And what God wants us to understand, and let me say this to you, every time, Brother Tyrell, you and Sarah, every time, Brother, Brother Rogers, you and Rachel, get on that bus, and Brother Tim, you work with these kids. Last Sunday night, it was a privilege of a pastor. There was one of our young men. He's, he's faithful. Pastor, i got to talk to you. Pastor, i got to talk to you. And, okay, okay, we'll get together. Pritch, you don't understand. i got to talk to you right now. He said, okay, jump in the car. I'll take you home. And that young man in my car just poured out his heart to us about what was happening to his family. And he just threw tears, just shook. Preacher, what do I do? And we come, I'm glad you have a good, a good relationship. I'm glad that we have good family units here. And do everything you can to keep that family unit together. Because when Satan destroys mom and dad in that marriage, he'll get the kids but our church is supposed to be a lighthouse. Our church is supposed to reach out to those precious boys and girls. I never want to see that our church is not able to have a bus ministry. We mourn over those things that are important to us. Weeping in a broken heart were the beginning of the major revivals in America. Study it. Study any revival in America where God swept. You know what the prayer of most of these, the greatest revival America's ever seen? You know the prayer the people were God make us happy. Here was the prayer God bend us. God bend us. Bend us, Father. And it didn't start from the pulpit. It didn't start with a pastor. It didn't start with the deacons. It started with the church people that didn't see God's blessings on their church and didn't see God's blessings on their community. And they wanted to see God's blessings, so they... Two started and said, listen, brother, will you come and pray with me? And they went to the pastor and said, preacher, will you open up the church where we could pray? Okay, then you can open up the church. And then two became four, became eight, became ten, became twelve, became twenty, became a hundred, became a thousand. And God swept across this nation with a group of people that were mourning over the sins of their civilization. Follow this 2018 statistics. My wife and I have been talking about this. 107,918 foster children in 2018 right now are waiting for adoption. But you've got your kids, right? I've got mine. Do we care about these kids? We mourn over these kids? 107,000. Think about this. The average age of those kids is seven and a half years old. 29, almost a third of them, will spend an average of three and a half years in foster homes before they ever find a home. You see, church, and I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to take, and I pray that somehow God will bless us in the morning and the evening message. I'm not trying to make you leave from this church and say, man, what morbid messages we heard today. I'm just trying to help us to understand that sometimes we think that God, the pastor's job, we think that what we want God to do in our church when we come is make us happy, make us feel good about ourselves, send us out happy. And God is saying, I want to get your attention. I want this morning, I want you to understand, pastor, associate pastor, administrative pastor, deacons, men, people in the church, no matter what ministry you have, you must be poor in spirit. You can't do anything without me. And this tonight is a work, and the people, we understand that there are times in our life that God calls us to morning. Look at Psalm chapter number 6, if you would please. The fact is that all of us in our church family, we know how to cry. Do we not? I've wept with Lucy and Jim. Recently we wept with the family of Brother Ronnie Dykes. I've gone to Brother Miss Zane's home and see, just weep. We in this church know how to cry. We know how to mourn. Look at Psalm chapter number 6. Look with me if you would in verse number 6, Psalm 6, 6. I am weary with my groaning. All the night make on my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Who is speaking here? David. David. You've got the prettiest women in the kingdom. Your bank account is full. You've got 600 mighty men that would fight at your beck and call. David said, when I go to bed at night, I water my my couch with my tears. David understood what what it meant to mourn. I believe that one thing Jesus is saying in this verse is that this kind of mourning is a good thing. God made us able to weep, did he not? My little sister, I remember, named Lynette, was younger than was the youngest in our family. And we noticed that she couldn't cry. I don't know if any of you ladies ever had any of your children this. She couldn't cry. That's an abnormal thing. And so I remember mom and dad taking Lynette to the doctor and they found out there was something that had to do with the tear ducts going into her eyes that she couldn't cry. I wonder how many times that we as God's people... Don't have the ability to cry. The Bible tells us that the the heroes of our faith cried. Abraham wept when his wife died, did he not? David wept when Absalom, his rebellious son, was killed in battle. Paul wept when he said farewell to his friends in Ephesus. And they wept right along with him. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says this, to everything under heaven, there's a season. Is any of those season? There's a time to laugh. There's a time to What? to weep, to cry. I'm not saying that's the attitude we come with, but it is a good thing when we go through those situations where God allows our heart to be broken. The Arabian people have a proverb that says, all sunshine makes a desert. Think of it. When we go through sorrowful times, we learn how kind people can be. You see why I want us not to forget the Duncans? I want them to understand there's a bunch of people We're not there with you, but we're walking. This is why one of the reasons we pray with people that are sick. I wanted Brother Tom to know that. I want Paul and Nancy to know that. And many of you have volunteered. I'll take Brother Paul up to a a doctor's visit in Colorado Springs. I'll take him to a a doctor's visit here. I'll drop off groceries. I'll do whatever it has to take. That's the kind of interacting with people that God wants us to do. The morning times of our life show us how good the wonderful times are. I've quoted this little poem. I heard it for the first time in Bible college, and I love it. I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and a word said she, but oh, the things that I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. I don't want you to walk through sorrow. I don't want to see any of our of our, our ladies go through what Shane and Tavi went through. I don't want to see somebody's a spouse, husband or spouse get sick and near death. I don't want to see somebody die, but the truth of the matter is, God said, if you're going to walk with me, you're going to have to have the spirit to understand to mourn when people mourn. I want to show you this. So, preacher, why? God wants me to be poor in spirit, basically what he's saying, to be approved of God. I want you to understand without me you can do nothing. That was this morning's lesson. Here's tonight's. Why does he want me to mourn? Let me say this to you. Because it will bring you closer to God. Right? My dad walked with God. I watched him as a young boy growing up. I did. I watched him walk with God. When dad's health began to fail, my dad was five foot seven and a half inches tall, not a big man. I didn't realize. I thought osteoporosis was primarily a disease for females. My dad had severe osteoporosis. I remember taking him to St. Mary Corwin. The man looked at his. He said, Mr. Rogers. You have eight vertebrates in your back that are cracked and broken. He said to look at your back, it would look like you fell off of a 20 story building. My dad lost, the, the, as close as I can tell, nine and a half inches as he sat in that chair and he just shrunk. I'd usually call him when he couldn't come after Sunday morning service. And I'd say Saturday night, after we left this this church service and, and, and just preparing my heart for the next Sunday, I'd say, Dad, would you pray with us about this? Okay, son, I'll pray with you. If I didn't call him on Sunday afternoon, he'd call me. He'd say, how'd it go? I'd say, Dad, it was wonderful. The things we prayed for, God moved. God heard. God answered, listen, I'm not saying I want something bad to happen so you can grow closer to God, but I'm saying this, God orchestrates the circumstances of our life, and when those circumstances come, the purpose and reason that God allows in every trial, every hardship that comes into our life is for one reason, to draw us closer to God. When we mourn, we see that. Look in your Bible a couple of texts if you would. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 15 says that Christ sympathizes our high priest with our weaknesses. Isaiah 53, verse 34 said Christ took up our infirmities and carries our sorrows. Psalm 34, 18, you're in Psalms. Turn there with me. Old Testament and new, the Lord tells us he'll walk with us through those times. Psalm, I'm sorry, what I say? Psalm 56. Go with me if you would there. Look at Psalm 56 and verse number 8. Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears in thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? Hey, you know what's in heaven? All of our happy times. The times we got married and that she said, yes, boy, that's a happy time. Huh? When God blessed your union with children, that's happy time, isn't it? When you get the job. When God, you see God working and God opened a door for you, Gabriel, just like your prayer said, those are happy times. I'm not trying to take them away from you. But God doesn't store them in his book or in his bottles in heaven. Here's what he does store. He stores your tears and my tears. Why? Because that mourning brings us closer to God. These verses proclaim the reassuring fact that God cares about our sorrows. He draws close to us in our times of mourning. Let me prove it to you. Three Hebrew children. They're going through the furnace. Who's there with them? The man looks inside. The king says, I want you to go and see how they're doing. Huh? And he said, they're doing fine. They're standing up. They're walking around. And there's one. Like (laughs) unto. Ladies, if you lose that little baby, there will be one like a two. won't be like a two. The Lord will walk with you through it. When that hardship and that trouble comes your way and mourning sets in your heart and you feel that pathos, you feel that, that just grief that brings you to your knees and drops you to your knees, there's a heavenly Father that will be there for you. Look at Psalm 30. Go with me backwards if you would please. Psalm 30. A couple texts in verse numbers. Psalm 30. Look at verse number 5. Psalm 30 verse number 5. For his anger endureth but a moment. But in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy cometh in the morning. Isn't that the Christian life? God's not going to always make you mourn. He's not going to always make you and I. Under that trial that causes us to mourn. Look at another text here. In Psalm look at verse number 11. Thou hast turned for me, my mourning into what? Dancing, thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. For some reason, I've been thinking about Shane and Tavia this week. After Shane and Tavia lost that little baby, it was just a little while. We rejoice as a church. Tabby's expecting again. Those of you who remember when little Dawson was born? huh I see that little guy when we go out to Lancaster. I see that little guy. And I look at him and say, Tavia, God turned your weeping into your mourning into laughter. He gave you a precious little baby. That's our God that we serve. He doesn't leave us with those trials and those hardships most of our lives. Let me show you this. The second kind of mourning Jesus was referring to here. He was saying mature believers should cry over the condition of others. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know if God is moving in your heart. But the condition of our city burdens me. Every time I turn down Pueblo Boulevard and I see a marijuana place, marijuana place and another marijuana place and another marijuana place and another marijuana place. And our founding fathers and our soon-to-be mayors understand we made, now listen to this, Colorado, $1.5 billion on marijuana last, last year. Of which 250 million million was taxes. I don't know what that does to you, but I grieve over that. When Preston and Brother Stephen, some of these young men and young ladies were in pastor study today and we were talking to them about these things, when I looked at these young people, I said, young people, let me tell you something, don't ever pick up a joint, don't ever pick up marijuana, don't ever do marijuana, I want them to understand, it's going to lead to morning, it's going to lead to some things that you don't like at all, but I don't understand this. Why does the church of Jesus Christ, we said this last week, we fault our city fathers, we fault our our town, we fault our, our, our mayor, we fault our governor, and yet the truth of the matter is, how long have you been saved and lived in this city? We are that salt and we are that light. Why do we not mourn over? Anybody ever heard of Lord Ashley Shaftberry? He was a man who was instrumental in legislation in England years and years ago to stop childhood labor. Let me tell you how it got stopped. Lord Ashbury was burdened about it, but one day they would hire these kids and they'd work them to death. One day Lord Ashbury saw this, a little boy that had died because they worked him to death. And they put him in a little rickety casket. And they had him in an old rickety wheelbarrow. And they're taking him to his final burial place. And he was being taken by four drunken men. And in the process of that, the drunks spilled the casket and the casket opened up and that poor emaciated body, that precious little boy spilled onto the streets of London. And Ashbury said then, if God has called me to do anything, I'm going to shut down the child labor here in London. We drive right by a marijuana place and not a, not a, not a tear comes to our eyes. We see the crime in Pueblo, and we never mourn over it. No wonder our city has not changed. No wonder if our prayer closets are not going up to heaven about God, would you work? I don't Think about this. I can't vote. My wife can't vote. We can't vote in the, in the mayor election. Are we praying for our mayors? You know what a powerful thing it is? I did this to Mrs. Winter. Now, she's not going to be a mayor. To look at her and say, Laurie, I know nothing about you, but I want you to know, if you become mayor, I will pray for you consistently, as will our church. Anything in our society you don't like? Does it break your heart? While we're on this subject, let me take it a step further. Do you grieve over the people who ignore God's law and suffer the consequences of their sin? Years ago, I remember when Brother Sean and Wendy came to this ministry. Sean had a heart for those who were battling addictions. Preacher, we got to help, we got to help. And I was like, okay, Sean, and I was trying to push him off. And, and then one day, I don't remember who was with me. We are soul We were knocking doors right over here on Jim Street. We knocked on a door, and the lady was Catholic. She was kind, but she was firm. I don't want to come to your church. I'm not coming to your church. I don't want to listen to you about salvation, about how to accept Christ. And I don't understand this, but somewhere in the process of there, I felt like the Lord touched my heart and said, talk to her about her problem. And I said to her, her name was Mary. I said, Mary, I don't know you, but you've got a burden, don't you? And she began to cry. She stepped outside that home. She said, may I talk to you? She said, I have a grown son inside, and he's given to alcohol. He's, it's destroying our home. It's destroying his life. And here Brother Sean is saying, Preacher, we've got to reach out to these people. We've got to help these people. And here the pastor's heart was cold. I wasn't mourning over the people in Pueblo that had an addiction, but Brother Sean was. So God said, Preacher, I'm going to have you knock on the door of somebody whose lady's heart is broken because her son is overcome with an addiction to alcohol. Sean and I got together after that and said, okay, Brother Sean, let's put a plan together. I'm going to tell you this. The RU Ministries have been a blessing and made a difference in this church because some people loved some people that were going through addiction. I'm going to close tonight. With this, Jesus' main emphasis here is the sorrow over our own sins. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, the Bible says, Godly sorrow leadeth to repentance. I say this to you tonight as we close. We want to have that spirit, that poor in spirit that understands, God, I'm nothing. I'm just a lump of clay. My wife sent me this. See if I can remember it this week. Ladies, you can say amen here if you want to. She said, God made Adam out of dust, so we're just dirt. But God made you Eve out of Adam's rib, so you're prime rib. (laughs) We're dirt, you're prime rib. I don't know why Kathy had to send that to me, but she did. Uh, Can I say this to you all, whether you're male or female? We're just all dirt. We're just a dirt pot wish I could tell you all my story, my upbringing, and it amazes. I pinch myself every Sunday I get to come. God, why would you use me? Why would you call me? Most likely not to succeed, that's me. I pray that I'll never lose that in ministry and in life. I want to be poor in spirit to understand if I do anything for God, I'm going to have to lean totally on him. That was this morning's message. Tonight is this. I don't know where this would take us. I don't know what it will look like. But when we mourn, I think about this. Donald Barb, I don't know if Donald's not well. I'm not going to tell you their story. Their story is horrendous. On Sunday morning, almost every Sunday morning, Donald's an usher. Amen. It's an usher. Sometimes when I look at that and I look around, I just want to get a hanky out. I just want to wave it. Amen. God, you're good. Times when we mourn with people. We understand where they're coming through. We understand this, that God is saying, there's going to be times in your life, pathos, where you're going to be so broken, you can't stand. I don't know, preacher, if I can take the next step. Aren't you glad for a great high priest that feels the feelings of our infirmities? Aren't you glad? Child of God, let me say this to you. We're going to make a difference in our society if we mourn over the things in our society that God has not approved enough.